26th Supreme Court. Unlike the American Constitution, the Indian Constitution has established an integrated judicial system with the Supreme Court at the top and the high courts below it. Under a high court and below the state level, there is a hierarchy of subordinate courts, that is, district courts and other lower courts. This single system of courts adopted from the Government of India Act of 1935 enforces both central laws as well as the state laws in USA. On the other hand, the federal laws are enforced by the federal judiciary and the state laws are enforced by the state judiciary. There is thus a double system of courts in USA, one for the center and the other for the states. To sum up, India, although a federal country like the USA, has a unified judiciary and one system of fundamental law and justice. The Supreme Court of India was inaugurated on January 28, 1950. It succeeded the Federal Court of India established under the Government of India Act of 1935. However, the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court is greater than that of its predecessor. This is because the Supreme Court has replaced the British Privy Council as the highest court of appeal. Point 1. Articles 124 to 147 in Part 5 of the Constitution deal with the organization, independence, jurisdiction, powers, procedures and so on of the Supreme Court. The Parliament is also authorized to regulate them. Composition and Appointment at present, the Supreme Court consists of 34 judges, one chief justice and 33 other judges. In 2019, the center notified an increase in the number of Supreme Court judges from 31 to 34, including the Chief Justice of India. This followed the enactment of the Supreme Court Number of Judges Amendment Act 2019. Originally. The strength of the Supreme Court was fixed at eight, one Chief Justice and seven other judges. The Parliament has increased this number of other judges progressively to 10 in 1956, to 13 in 1960, to 17 in 1977, to 25 in 1986, to 30 in 2008 and to 33 in 2019. Appointment of Judges the judges of the Supreme Court are appointed by the President. The Chief Justice is appointed by the President after consultation with such judges of the Supreme Court and High Courts as he deems necessary. The other judges are appointed by President after consultation with the Chief Justice and such other judges of the Supreme Court and the High Courts as he deems necessary. The consultation with the Chief Justice is obligatory in the case of appointment of a judge other than Chief Justice. Controversy over consultation. The Supreme Court has given different interpretation of the word consultation in the above provision. In the first judge's case, 1982, the court held that consultation does not mean concurrence and it only implies exchange of views. But, in the second judge's case, 1993, the court reversed its earlier ruling and changed the meaning of the word consultation to concurrence. Hence, it ruled that the advice tendered by the Chief Justice 
of India is binding on the President in the matters of appointment of the judges of the Supreme Court, but the Chief Justice would tender his advice on the matter after consulting two of his senior-most colleagues. Similarly, in the third judge's case too, 1998 the court opined that the consultation process to be adopted by the Chief Justice of India requires consultation of plurality judges. The sole opinion of the Chief Justice of India does not constitute the consultation process. He should consult a collegium of four. Senior most judges of the Supreme Court and even if two judges given. Adverse opinion, he should not send the recommendation to the government. The court held that the recommendation made by the Chief Justice of India without complying with the norms and requirements of the consultation process are not binding on the government. The 99th Constitutional Amendment Act of 2014 and the National Judicial Appointments Commission Act of 2014 have replaced the collegium system of appointing judges to the Supreme Court and High Courts with a new body called the National Judicial Appointments Commission NJAC. However, in 2015, the Supreme Court has declared both the 99th Constitutional Amendment as well as the NJAC Act as unconstitutional and void. Consequently, the earlier collegium system became operative again. This verdict was delivered by the Supreme Court in the fourth judge's case 2A. 2015. The court opined that the new system, i.e. NJAC, would affect the independence of the judiciary. Appointment of Chief Justice from 1950 to 1973, the practice has been to appoint the senior-most judge of the Supreme Court as the Chief Justice of India. This established convention was violated in 1973 when A.N. Ray was appointed as the Chief Justice of India by superseding three senior judges. Point three again in 1977, M.U. Beg was appointed as the Chief Justice of India by superseding the then Senior most judge point four this discretion of the government was curtailed by the Supreme Court in the second judge's case, 1993, in which the Supreme Court ruled that the senior most judge of the Supreme Court should alone be appointed to the office of the Chief Justice of India. Qualifications, Oath and Salaries Qualifications of Judges a person to be appointed as a judge of the Supreme Court should have the following qualifications. 1. He should be a citizen of India. 2. A. He should have been a judge of a high court or high courts in succession for 5 years or B. He should have been an advocate of a high court or high courts in succession for 10 years or C. He should be a distinguished jurist in the opinion of the President. From the above, it is clear that the Constitution has not prescribed a minimum age for appointment as a judge of the Supreme Court. Oath or Affirmation A person appointed as a judge of the Supreme Court before entering upon his office has to make and subscribe an oath or affirmation before the President or some person appointed by him for this purpose. In his oath, a judge of the Supreme Court swears 
one to bear true faith and allegiance to the constitution of india two to uphold the sovereignty and integrity of india three to duly and faithfully and to the best of his ability knowledge and judgment perform the duties of the office without fear or favor affection or ill will and four to uphold the constitution and the laws salaries and allowances the salaries allowances privileges leave and pension of the judges of the supreme court are determined from time to time by the parliament they cannot be varied to their disadvantage after their appointment except during a financial emergency in 2018 the salary of the chief justice was increased from 1 lakh rupees to 2.80 lakh rupees per month and that of a judge from 90000 rupees to 2.50 lakh rupees per month 6 dot they are also paid sumptuary allowance and provided with free accommodation and other facilities like medical car telephone etc the retired chief justice and judges are entitled to 50% of their last drawn salary as monthly pension tenure and removal tenure of judges the constitution has not fixed the tenure of a judge of the supreme court however it makes the following three provisions in this regard one he holds office until he attains the age of 65 years any question regarding his age is to be determined by such authority and in such manner as provided by parliament two he can resign his office by writing to the president three he can be removed from his office by the president on the recommendation of the parliament removal of judges a judge of the supreme court can be removed from his office by an order of the president the president can issue the removal order only after an address by parliament has been presented to him in the same session for such removal point 5 the address must be supported by a special majority of each house of parliament i.e. a majority of the total membership of that house and a majority of not less than two-thirds of the members of that house present and voting the grounds of removal are to prove misbehavior or incapacity the judges inquiry act 1968 regulates the procedure relating to the removal of a judge of the supreme court by the process of impeachment one a removal motion signed by 100 members in the case of lok sabha or 50 members in the case of rajya sabha is to be given to the speaker chairman two the speaker chairman may admit the motion or refuse to admit it three if it is admitted then the speaker chairman is to constitute a three member committee to investigate into the charges four the committee should consist of a the chief justice or a judge of the supreme court b a chief justice of a high court and c a distinguished jurist five if the committee finds the judge to be guilty of misbehavior or suffering from an incapacity the house can take up the consideration of the motion Six. After the motion is passed by each house of parliament by special majority, an address is presented to the president for removal of the 
judge 7 finally the president passes an order removing the judge it is interesting to know that no judge of the supreme court has been impeached so far the first case of impeachment is that of justice v ramaswamy of the supreme court 1991-1993 though the inquiry committee found him guilty of misbehavior he could not be removed as the impeachment motion was defeated in the lok sabha the congress party abstained from voting acting ad hoc and retired judges acting chief justice the president can appoint a judge of the supreme court as an acting chief justice of india when one the office of chief justice of india is vacant or two the chief justice of india is temporarily absent or three the chief justice of india is unable to perform the duties of his office ad hoc judge when there is a lack of quorum of the permanent judges to hold or continue any session of the supreme court the chief justice of india can appoint a judge of a high court as an ad hoc judge of the supreme court for a temporary period he can do so only after consultation with the chief justice of the high court concerned and with the previous consent of the president the judge so appointed should be qualified for appointment as a judge of the supreme court it is the duty of the judge so appointed to attend the sittings of the supreme court in priority to other duties of his office while so attending he enjoys all the jurisdiction powers and privileges and discharges the duties of a judge of the supreme court retired judge at any time the chief justice of india can request a retired judge of the supreme court or a retired judge of a high court who is duly qualified for appointment as a judge of the supreme court to act as a judge of the supreme court for a temporary period he can do so only with the previous consent of the president and also of the person to be so appointed such a judge is entitled to such allowances as the president may determine he will also enjoy all the jurisdiction powers and privileges of a judge of supreme court but he will not otherwise be deemed to be a judge of the supreme court seat and procedure seat of supreme court the constitution declares delhi as the seat of the supreme court but it also authorizes the chief justice of india to appoint other place or places as seat of the supreme court he can take decision in this regard only with the approval of the president this provision is only optional and not compulsory this means that no court can give any direction either to the president or to the chief justice to appoint any other place as a seat of the supreme court procedure of the court the supreme court can with the approval of the president make rules for regulating generally the practice and procedure of the court the constitutional cases or references made by the president under article 143 are decided by a bench consisting of at least 5 judges all other cases are decided by single judges and division benches the judgments are delivered by the open court all judgments are by majority vote but if 
Differing, then judges can give dissenting judgments or opinions. Independence of Supreme Court The Supreme Court has been assigned a very significant role in the Indian democratic political system. It is a federal court, the highest court of appeal. The guarantor of the fundamental rights of the citizens and guardian of the Constitution. Therefore, its independence becomes very essential for the effective discharge of the duties assigned to it. It should be free from the encroachments, pressures and interferences of the Executive Council of Ministers and the Legislature Parliament. It should be allowed to do justice without fear or favor. The Constitution has made the following provisions to safeguard and ensure the independent and impartial functioning of the Supreme Court. 1. Mode of Appointment The judges of the Supreme Court are appointed by the President which means the Cabinet in consultation with the members of the judiciary itself, i.e. judges of the Supreme Court and the High Courts. This provision curtails the absolute discretion of the executive as well as ensures that the judicial appointments are not based on any political or practical considerations. 2. Security of tenure. The judges of the Supreme Court are provided with the security of tenure. They can be removed from office by the president only in the manner and on the grounds mentioned in the constitution. This means that they do not hold their office during the pleasure of the president though they are appointed by him. This is obvious from the fact that no judge of the Supreme Court has been removed or impeached so far. 3. Fixed service conditions. The salaries, allowances, privileges, leave and pension of the judges of the Supreme Court are determined from time to time by the parliament. They cannot be changed to their disadvantage after their appointment except during a financial emergency. Thus, the conditions of service of the judges of the Supreme Court remain same during their term of office. 4. Expenses charged on consolidated fund. The salaries, allowances and pensions of the judges and the staff as well as all the administrative expenses of the Supreme Court are charged on the Consolidated Fund of India. Thus, they are non-votable by the Parliament, though they can be discussed by it. 5. Conduct of judges cannot be discussed. Independence of Supreme Court The salaries, allowances and pensions of the judges and the staff as well as all the administrative expenses of the Supreme Court are The retired judges of the Supreme Court are prohibited from pleading or acting in any court or before any authority within the territory of India. This ensures that they do not favor anyone in the hope of future favor. 7. Power to punish for its contempt. The Supreme Court can punish any person for its contempt. Thus, its actions and decisions cannot be criticized and opposed by anybody. This 
power is vested in the Supreme Court to maintain its authority, dignity and honor. 8. Freedom to appoint its staff. The Chief Justice of India can appoint officers and servants of the Supreme Court without any interference from the executive. He can also prescribe their conditions of service. 9. Its jurisdiction cannot be curtailed. The Parliament is not authorized to curtail the jurisdiction and powers of the Supreme Court. The Constitution has guaranteed to the Supreme Court jurisdiction of various kinds. However, the Parliament can extend the same. 10. Separation from Executive. The Constitution directs the state to take steps to separate the judiciary from the executive in the public services. This means that the executive authorities should not possess the judicial powers. Consequently, upon its implementation, the role of executive authorities in judicial administration came to an end. Point seven. Jurisdiction and Powers of Supreme Court The Constitution has conferred a very extensive jurisdiction and vast powers on the Supreme Court. It is not only a federal court like the American Supreme Court but also a final court of appeal like the British House of Lords, the upper house of the British Parliament. It is also the final interpreter and guardian of the Constitution and guarantor of the fundamental rights of the citizens. Further, it has advisory and supervisory powers. Therefore, Aladi Krishnaswamy Ayer, a member of the drafting committee of the constitution, rightly remarked the Supreme Court of India has more powers than any other Supreme Court in any part of the world. The jurisdiction and powers of the Supreme Court can be classified into the following. 1. Original Jurisdiction 2. Red Jurisdiction 3. Appellate Jurisdiction 4. Advisory Jurisdiction 5. A Court of Record 6. Power of Judicial Review 7. Constitutional Interpretation 8. Other Powers 1. Original Jurisdiction As a federal court, the Supreme Court decides the disputes between different units of the Indian Federation. More elaborately, any dispute a. Between the center and one or more states or B. Between the center and any state or states on one side and one or No other states on the other side or C. Between two or more states In the above federal disputes, the Supreme Court has exclusive original Jurisdiction Exclusive means, no other court can decide such disputes and Original means, the power to hear such disputes in the first instance, not by way of appeal. With regard to the exclusive original jurisdiction of the Supreme Court, two points should be noted. 1. The dispute must involve a question, whether of law or fact on which the existence or extent of a legal right depends. Thus, the questions of political nature are excluded from it. 2. Any suit brought before the Supreme Court by a private citizen against the center or a state cannot be entertained under this. Further, this jurisdiction of the Supreme Court does not extend to the following. A. A dispute arising out of any pre-constitution treaty agreement. 
covenant engagement sun and other similar instrument point 8 b a dispute arising out of any treaty agreement etc which specifically provides that the said jurisdiction does not extend to such a dispute point 9 c interstate water disputes point 10 d matters referred to the finance commission a adjustment of certain expenses and pensions between the center and the states f ordinary dispute of commercial nature between the center and the states g recovery of damages by a state against the center in 1961 the first suit under the original jurisdiction of the supreme court was brought by west bengal against the center the state government challenged the constitutional validity of the coal bearing areas acquisition and development act 1957 passed by the parliament however the supreme court dismissed the suit by upholding the validity of the act to rid jurisdiction the constitution has constituted the supreme court as the guarantor and defender of the fundamental rights of the citizens the supreme court is empowered to issue writs including habeas corpus mandamus prohibition quo warranto and certiorari for the enforcement of the fundamental rights of an aggrieved citizen in this regard the supreme court has original jurisdiction in the sense that an aggrieved citizen can directly go to the supreme court not necessarily by way of appeal however the writ jurisdiction of the supreme court is not exclusive the high courts are also empowered to issue writs for the enforcement of the fundamental rights it means when the fundamental rights of a citizen are violated the aggrieved party has the option of moving either the high court or the supreme court directly therefore the original jurisdiction of the supreme court with regard to federal disputes is different from its original jurisdiction with regard to disputes relating to fundamental rights in the first case it is exclusive and in the second case it is concurrent with high court's jurisdiction moreover the parties involved in the first case are units of the federation center and states while the dispute in the second case is between a citizen and the government central or state there is also a difference between the writ jurisdiction of the supreme court and that of the high court the supreme court can issue writs only for the enforcement of the fundamental rights and not for other purposes the high court on the other hand can issue writs not only for the enforcement of the fundamental rights but also for other purposes it means that the writ jurisdiction of the high court is wider than that of the supreme court but the parliament can confer on the supreme court the power to issue writs for other purposes also 3 appellate jurisdiction as mentioned earlier the supreme court has not only succeeded the federal court of india but also replaced the british privy council as the highest court of appeal the supreme court is primarily a court of appeal and hears appeals against the judgments of the lower courts it enjoys a wide appellate jurisdiction which can be classified under four heads a appeals in constitutional matters b appeals in civil matters c appeals in criminal matters d appeals by special leave 
a constitutional matters in the constitutional cases an appeal can be made to the supreme court against the judgment of a high court if the high court certifies that the case involves a substantial question of law that requires the interpretation of the constitution based on the certificate the party in the case can appeal to the supreme court on the ground that the question has been wrongly decided b civil matters in civil cases an appeal lies to the supreme court from any judgment of a high court if the high court certifies either the case involves a substantial question of law of general importance and either the question needs to be decided by the supreme court originally only those civil cases that involved a sum of 20000 rupees could be appealed before the supreme court but this monetary limit was removed by the 30th constitutional amendment act of 1972 see criminal matters the supreme court hears appeals against the judgment in a criminal proceeding of a high court if the high court i has on appeal reversed an order of acquittal of an accused person and sentenced him to death or e has taken before itself any case from any subordinate court and convicted the accused person and sentenced him to death or e certifies that the case is a fit one for appeal to the supreme court in the first two cases an appeal lies to the supreme court as a matter of right i e without any certificate of the high court but if the high court has reversed the order of conviction and has ordered the acquittal of the accused there is no right to appeal to the supreme court in 1970 the parliament had enlarged the criminal appellate jurisdiction of the supreme court accordingly an appeal lies to the supreme court from the judgment of a high court if the high court i has on appeal reversed an order of acquittal of an accused person and sentenced him to imprisonment for life of 10 years or he has taken before itself any case from any subordinate court and convicted the accused person and sentenced him to imprisonment for life of 10 years further the appellate jurisdiction of the supreme court extends to all civil and criminal cases in which the federal court of india had jurisdiction to hear appeals from the high court but which are not covered under the civil and criminal appellate jurisdiction of the supreme court mentioned above the appeal by special leave the supreme court is authorized to grant in its discretion special leave to appeal from any judgment in any matter passed by any court or tribunal in country except military tribunal and court martial this provision contains the four aspects as under i it is a discretionary power and hence cannot be claimed as a matter of right e it can be granted in any judgment whether final or interlocutory e it may be related to any matter constitutional civil criminal income tax labor revenue advocates etc IV it can be granted against any court or tribunal and not necessarily against a high court of course except a military court 
Thus, the scope of this provision is very wide and it vests the Supreme Court with a plenary jurisdiction to hear appeals. On the exercise of this power, the Supreme Court itself held that being an exceptional and overriding power, it has to be exercised sparingly and with caution and only in special extraordinary situations. Beyond that it is not possible to fetter the exercise of this power by any set formula or rule. 4. Advisory Jurisdiction The Constitution Article 143 authorizes the President to seek the opinion of the Supreme Court in the two categories of matters. A. On any question of law or fact of public importance which has arisen or which is likely to arise. B. On any dispute arising out of any pre-constitution treaty, agreement, covenant, engagement, sunnid or other similar instruments. Point one one. In the first case, the Supreme Court may tender or may refuse to tender its opinion to the President. But in the second case, the Supreme Court must tender its opinion to the President. In both the cases, the opinion expressed by the Supreme Court is only advisory and not a judicial pronouncement. Hence, it is not binding on the President, he may follow or may not follow the opinion. However, it facilitates the government to have an authoritative legal opinion on a matter to be decided by it. So far 2019, the President has made 15 references to the Supreme Caught under its advisory jurisdiction also known as consultative jurisdiction. These are mentioned below in the chronological order. 1. Delhi Laws Act in 1951 2. Kerala Education Bill in 1958 3. Berubari Union in 1960 4. Sea Customs Act in 1963 5. Keshav Singh's case relating to the privileges of the legislature in 1964 6. Presidential election in 1974 7. Special Courts Bill in 1978 8. Jammu and Kashmir Resettlement Act in 1982 9. Kaveri Water Disputes Tribunal in 1992 10. Rama Janma Bhumi case in 1993. 11. Consultation process to be adopted by the Chief Justice of India in 1998. 12. Legislative competence of the Centre and States on the subject of natural gas and liquefied natural gas in 2001. 13. The constitutional validity of the Election Commission's decision on deferring the Gujarat Assembly elections in 2002. 14. Punjab Termination of Agreements Act in 2004 15. 2G Spectrum Case Verdict and the Mandatory Auctioning of Natural Resources Across All Sectors in 2012 5. A Court of Record As a Court of Record, the Supreme Court has two powers. A. The Judgments, Proceedings and Acts of the Supreme Court are Recorded for Perpetual Memory and Testimony These records are Admitted to be of evidentiary value and cannot be questioned when produced before any court. They are recognized as legal precedents and legal references. B. It has power to punish for contempt of court either with simple 
imprisonment for a term up to 6 months or with fine up to 2000 rupees or with both in 1991 the supreme court has ruled that it has power to punish for contempt not only of itself but also of high courts subordinate courts and tribunals functioning in the entire country contempt of court may be civil or criminal civil contempt means willful disobedience to any judgment order writ or other process of a court or willful breach of an undertaking given to a court criminal contempt means the publication of any matter or doing an act which i scandalizes or lowers the authority of a court or e prejudices or interferes with the due course of a judicial proceeding or e interferes or obstructs the administration of justice in any other manner However, innocent publication and distribution of some matter, fair and accurate report of judicial proceedings, fair and reasonable criticism of judicial acts and comment on the administrative side of the judiciary do not amount to contempt of court. 6. Power of judicial review. Judicial review is the power of the Supreme Court to examine the constitutionality of legislative enactments and executive orders of both the central and state governments on examination if they are found to be violative of the constitution ultra vires they can be declared as illegal unconstitutional and invalid null and void by the supreme court consequently they cannot be enforced by the government 7 constitutional interpretation the supreme court is the ultimate interpreter of the constitution it can give final version to the spirit and content of the provisions of the constitution and the verbiage used in the constitution while interpreting the constitution the supreme court is guided by a number of doctrines in other words the supreme court applies various doctrines in interpreting the constitution the important doctrines are mentioned below 1 doctrine of severability 2 doctrine of waiver 3 doctrine of eclipse 4 doctrine of territorial nexus 5 doctrine of pith and substance 6 doctrine of colorable legislation 7 doctrine of implied powers 8 doctrine of incidental and ancillary powers 9 doctrine of precedent 10 doctrine of occupied field 11 doctrine of prospective overruling 12 doctrine of harmonious construction 13 doctrine of liberal interpretation 8 other powers besides the above the supreme court has numerous other powers a it decides the disputes regarding the election of the president and the vice president in this regard it has the original exclusive and final authority B it inquires into the conduct and behavior of the chairman and members of the Union Public Service Commission on a reference made by the president if it finds them guilty of misbehavior it can recommend to the president for their removal the advice tendered by the supreme court in this regard is binding on the president C it has power to review its own judgment or order thus it is not bound by its previous decision and can depart from it in the interest of 
justice or community welfare. In brief, the Supreme Court is a self-correcting agency. For example, in the case of Ananda Bharti case. 1973, the Supreme Court departed from its previous judgment in Thay. Golak Nath case 1967. D. It is authorized to withdraw the cases pending before the high courts and dispose them by itself. It can also transfer a case or appeal pending before one high court to another high court. A. Its law is binding on all courts in India. Its decree or order is enforceable throughout the country. All authorities, civil and judicial, in the country should act in aid of the Supreme Court. F. It has power of judicial superintendence and control over all the courts and tribunals functioning in the entire territory of the country. The Supreme Court's jurisdiction and powers with respect to matters in the union list can be enlarged by the parliament. Further, its jurisdiction and powers with respect to other matters can be enlarged by a special Agreement of the Center and the States Supreme Court Advocates Three categories of advocates are entitled to practice law before the Supreme Court. They are 1. Senior Advocates These are advocates who are designated as senior advocates by the Supreme Court of India or by any high court. The court can designate any advocate with his consent as senior advocate if in its opinion by virtue of his ability, standing at the bar or special knowledge or experience in law. The said advocate is deserving of such distinction. A senior advocate is not entitled to appear without an advocate on record in the Supreme Court or without a junior in any other court or tribunal in India. He is also not entitled to accept instructions to draw pleadings or affidavits, advice on evidence or do any drafting work of an analogous kind in any court or tribunal in India or undertake conveyancing work of any kind whatsoever. But this prohibition shall not extend to settling any such matter as aforesaid in consultation with a junior. 2. Advocates on record. Only these advocates are entitled to file any matter or document before they Supreme Court. They can also file an appearance or act for a party in the Supreme Court. 3. Other Advocates These are advocates whose names are entered on the roll of any state bar. Council maintained under the Advocates Act 1961 and they can appear in Are you any matter on behalf of a party in the Supreme Court but they are not entitled to file any document or matter before the court. Table 26.1 Comparing Indian and American Supreme Courts Indian Supreme Court American Supreme Court One, its original jurisdiction is confined to federal cases. One, its original jurisdiction covers not only federal cases but also cases relating to naval forces. Maritime Activities Ambassadors ETC 2. Its appellate jurisdiction covers Constitutional, Civil and Criminal Cases 2. Its appellate jurisdiction is Confined to Constitutional Cases Only 3. It has a very wide discretion to Grant special leave to appeal in 
any matter against the judgment of any court or tribunal except military 3 it has no such plenary power 4 it has advisory jurisdiction 4 it has no advisory jurisdiction 5 its scope of judicial review is limited 5 its scope of judicial review is very wide 6 it defends rights of the citizen according to the procedure established by law 6 it defends rights of the citizen according to the due process of law 7 its jurisdiction and powers can be enlarged by parliament 7 its jurisdiction and powers are limited to that conferred by the constitution 8 it has power of judicial superintendence and control over state high courts due to integrated judicial system 8 it has no such power due to double or separated judicial system table 26.2 articles related to supreme court at a glance article no subject matter 124 establishment and constitution of supreme court 124a national judicial appointments commission 124b functions of commission 124c power of parliament to make law 125 salaries etc of judges 126 appointment of acting chief justice 127 appointment of ad hoc judges 128 attendance of retired judges at sittings of the supreme court 129 supreme court to be a court of record 130 seat of supreme court 131 original jurisdiction of the supreme court 131a exclusive jurisdiction of the supreme court in regard to questions as to constitutional validity of central laws repealed 132 appellate jurisdiction of supreme court in appeals from high courts in certain cases 133 appellate jurisdiction of supreme court in appeals from high courts in regard to civil matters One hundred and thirty-four, appellate jurisdiction of Supreme Court in regard to criminal matters. One hundred and thirty-four A, certificate for appeal to the Supreme Court. One hundred and thirty-five, jurisdiction and powers of the federal court under existing law to be exercisable by the Supreme Court. One hundred and thirty-six, special leave to appeal by the Supreme Court. One hundred and thirty-seven. Review of judgments or orders by the Supreme Court 138 Enlargement of the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court 139 Conferment on the Supreme Court of powers to issue certain writs 139A Transfer of certain cases 140 Ancillary powers of Supreme Court 141 Law declared by Supreme Court to be binding on all courts 142 enforcement of decrees and orders of supreme court and orders as to discovery etc 143 power of president to consult supreme court 
civil and judicial authorities to act in aid of the Supreme Court. 144A. Special provisions as to disposal of questions relating to constitutional validity of laws repealed. One hundred and forty five rules of court ETC one hundred and forty six officers and servants and the expenses of the Supreme Court one hundred and forty seven interpretation notes and references 